Square Enix sells its Western Gaming Studios off so they can focus on something not gaming. Plus, NVIDIA is being fined for not accurately reporting GPU sales numbers to investors. Tonight is May 8th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so not, you would say uh, even if... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwell. As Sheridan Matt says, so literally I'm only seeing Bob Ross and Vogue streaming now on my follows. It's really a quiet night where folks are having networking issues or they're spending it with their Earthbound or their mother. Whichever one you want to say. Happy Earthbound Day or uh, Mother's Day to anybody who does any motherly duties for uh, anything. Happy, happy day to you. Um, Hopefully, uh, if you are in that kind of relationship, hopefully you talked, spoke to someone who had that motherly uh, duties for you. Uh, Not everybody has, and so I understand that. So we're not going to dwell on it too much. But uh, thank you for being here. Welcome to uh, a, a, a regular edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, uh, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live uh, here, uh, in, uh, if you're joining us live here on this Sunday night, thank you so much. We do tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, here at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Join us live, and I'll be... Uh, Interact with us directly, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Fifth Dream also says, it's also my birthday because I'm a bad mother. You were the best Mother's Day gift, I bet. I bet you were a very, very wonderful Mother's Day gift uh, to your mother. At least that's what my mother tells me uh, because I have a birthday coming up where I'm turning 29. Once again, I am really getting good at this turning 29 thing. I've been doing it for like over a decade. But... um, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, happy birthday to you, Fifth Dream. Uh, and uh, and yes, I, I hope so, too. I never assume what relationship people have with their parents. Um, I had a great relationship with my parents. I know not everybody did. I have a lot of friends who didn't. And so that's kind of why I'm kind of like going around this whole thing. But if you if you and your parents are on good terms, I hope that you all had a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day. And I thank you for being here. With us, uh, I've got uh, I've got uh, some vinyl records uh, that, from Mother and Mother Two. I've got my actual Super Nintendo Earthbound cartridge here on the set, so that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, that's 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 how we're going to be celebrating it uh, tonight. Uh, and and like I said, yes, we, we are here each and every Sunday night. Except it's probably not going to happen uh in 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 about a little over a month. We're probably going to be taking some weeks off. Uh, I don't know how many. But I do want you to ask, like, um, you know, I'm going to be spending a week in Minneapolis. Uh, and uh, I've never been to Minneapolis. Um, I'm going to be spending a week there. And there's probably going to be some thing, times that I'm going to be wanting to go out and, and see things or uh, eat somewhere. Probably not, like, do any kind of big attractions or anything. But, uh, you know, I, I, I want to know if, if you've got any tips 
for being in Minneapolis because I am actually going to Summer Games Done Quick 2022 in person. I auditioned. They had, I think, over 100 people audition. Uh, They picked 22 of those auditions. And uh, I am, uh, and I was selected as one of those twenty twenty uh, of the one of those twenty two hosts for twenty twenty two, and uh, so I will be in Minneapolis, which is where they're doing it. They're doing it at a hotel by the airport um, uh, from uh, June twenty sixth through July third. It's the last week of June, uh, so I can tell you that uh, no, we are not. Uh, we we will not be there that Sunday night. Um, we will not be on the air that Sunday night. I do fly back the following Sunday on July 3rd. And um, the thing is, um, I haven't flown since probably 2019, I want to say. Uh, so it's been a while. But I also know that uh, flights get moved around and changed a lot, uh, especially in, in the times that we are in now. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to get back in time. Let's put it that way. Right now, my flight lands in Atlanta at 4, which means I will be back home by about 6, 6.30, and then I will be able to uh, be here on the show on July 3rd because uh, I'm not going to take that weekend off, even though uh, we have a big national holiday the next day. That's the next day. I'm going to be hanging out with y'all on July 3rd if I can. Uh, but the weekend before, I'm flying up the Saturday before, so I'm obviously not going to be on the air uh, that night. But uh, yes, I am going to be a host, a donation reader at Summer Games Done Quick 2022. The schedule is out, and uh, the game list came out, uh, and the schedule came out, and I didn't talk about it because I didn't know if I was going to be selected. Um, I didn't know how I was going to do on this audition particularly. Uh, but in uh, the graphic that I put up here on the Twitch stream, you have Ichiban Kasuga, which is uh, from Yakuza Like a Dragon. And uh, that's a that's a game Rob Roberts from OLR really needs to play, by the way. And uh, I uh, I put that up there uh, because Froob, who did who I worked with for Yakuza Six, that was the rugby baby, and then Lost Judgment, uh, he got accepted for Yakuza Like a Dragon. It's on Tuesday afternoon at like one thirty Eastern in the afternoon. It's a four hour run, and that's the run that I I basically told them that's the run I would want to do. Uh, I'll have more than just that because they usually do six to eight hours for each host, and that's a four-hour run. Uh, so, But I am reasonably certain that unless something, somebody more with more seniority than me comes in, uh, that I will at least be doing Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, and, uh, and Rob Roberts says, Bobby not being here on June 26th because it's both Rob's birthday and OLR's 20-year anniversary. I'm going to miss... OLR's 20th. But this is for a good cause. Uh, so it'll be benefiting Doctors Without Borders. I'm sorry I'm going to miss OLR's birthday. Maybe I'll send in something for Minneapolis. I don't know. I'm, I'll be there early enough. I can send you a video message. How about that uh, stuff? So uh, S. Sharon Matt says, The only thing I know about Minneapolis is the Mall of America, the Twins Park, uh, Ballpark, Target Field, and it's, it is also uh, very there. Uh it is very cool. Um, I, I am probably going to go to the Mall of America at some point because there is a hotel shuttle because I'm not renting a car. But apparently the hotel shuttle does go to the Mall of America. So I'm going to actually go there. Uh, very nice is what he said. Uh, so the Twins Ballpark is also very nice. And, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to catch a baseball game. Uh, but 
um, I am, you know, thinking about like going to the Mall of America and experiencing the Mall of America while I'm there because I am going to be there for eight nights. And that is not a cheap uh, even with the hotel rate, the room rate, the special discounted room rate for GDQ attendees, eight nights is a lot. And I'm not rooming with anybody else. So I get the whole room to myself because uh, I've gotten old enough that uh, I don't need to be rooming with random people at conventions. I room with Rob at conventions, but he's not random. And as Sharon Amant says, Minnesota is also the state of Ho-K? I don't, I don't know what that, that word is. I don't know what that word is. Some H O some C K E Y. I don't know what that word is. I apologize. I I'm I'm from Atlanta, and for some reason I'm you know thinking really negative thoughts about Winnipeg. So summer games done quick. 2022. Uh, it is uh, June 26th through July 3rd. So um, I will be there. Uh, the, there's there's going to be 1,500 attendees. Uh, everybody has to be vaccinated. Uh, proof of vaccination. They're going to be testing frequently. Uh, everybody's got to wear N95 or KN95, even while they're on the mic. So my voice will be a little bit muffled, but uh, they've got some really good audio engineers. So hopefully they will be able to compensate for speaking through a mask. And hopefully Tuesday on uh, on on at, on the Tuesday at one thirty, I will be hosting Yakuza Like a Dragon because one of the incentives that he has proposed is an incentive that everybody has been asking for when I've been reading donations. I see it all the time. He's going to actually do it if you raise... We don't know. We obviously don't know if they've accepted the incentive or how much it's going to be, but there is an incentive to do karaoke of Baka Mitai, as in Froob will sing the legendary Baka Mitai from Yakuza, from the entire Yakuza series. It's it's not just a Like a Dragon thing, but he will sing Baka Mitai while playing the karaoke minigame. It's a rhythm game. On the, and, and his couch commentators, they will do it live. Uh, and he is instantly regretting submitting that. And so I know that I'm going to be pushing that incentive because I know how much he regrets doing it. And there's another incentive that, uh, that, that's going to go into that, that, there, that you may not realize. So you're getting insider information here. There will be another incentive if they do it where there's a bid war before the game goes on, before the game starts, of are you going to use the Japanese voiceover or the English voiceover? That will also determine which version of Bakamitai gets karaoke because they, they localized... Uh, they they localized the entire game. The original, the other Yakuza games had, weren't really yo- localized. They, you had English subtitles, but they actually have a full English voice cast, which is amazing. In Like a Dragon, uh, the the Japanese voice cast all, is also amazing, but the English voice cast is superb. And they localized the song, so it's actually in English. Baka Matai, which is "I Am a Fool." Uh, is is actually localized, and they actually did a good job with the localization of it. So. There's two incentives that have the same thing, and I really want to hear Froob sing Bakamatai only because I know he does not want to do it. So hopefully, hopefully I will be hosting for the run that he is doing, and uh, hopefully we get that incentive. So that's all I'm going to talk about with uh, Summer Games Done Quick. There was big news that happened a uh, late night Sunday night, and everybody's like, why are they breaking news at two in the morning. You got to realize that this company is based in Sweden. 
And so it was like 9 a.m. Like it was like the beginning of the day on Monday. They're like, by the way, we have big news. And it was wound up just being in the middle of the night here after we went off the air, after, you know, we had gone to bed and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about this. Polygon reports that Square Enix is selling off Western Studios Eidos. Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix Montreal, as well as the franchises those studios develop, including Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, and Thief, to Embracer Group. Uh, the $300 million deal will give Embracer Group ownership of more than 50 back catalog games from Square Enix's library and will affect 1,100 employees across three studios. Uh, Swedish-based Embracer already owns publishing and development studios Gearbox Software, THQ Nordic, Saber Interactive, Coke Media, K-O-C-H Media, Deep Silver, and Coffee Stain Studios. Embracer has also expanded beyond video games to acquire comic book publisher Dark Horse. Uh, they did uh, Sin City. is, And I think Hellboy is also Dark Horse, but I know Sin City is. Uh, Dark Horse Comics and tabletop game publisher Asmodee. So Asmodee Digital does, like, the Ticket to Ride, and they did the Pandemic video game versions of those, but they're also, they also do other tabletop game stuff. Embracer will have more than 14,000 employees, 10,000 game developers, and 124 internal studios when the deal with uh, Square Enix closes. Square Enix says that the sale of studios and IP will establish, quote, a more efficient allocation of resources to enable the launch of new businesses by moving forward with investments in field, including chain, AI, and the cloud, unquote. I decided last minute to use the bleep button on that. In a news release announcing the sale, Embracer said it was, quote, impressed by the studio's rich portfolio of original IP, unquote, namely Tomb Raider and Deus Ex, which have sold a combined 100 million units and saw, quote, compelling opportunities to organically grow the studios to maximize their commercial opportunities, unquote. Uh, so Embracer says it sees opportunity to invest in the aforementioned IP as well as Legacy of Kane, Thief, and other original franchises. Uh, Crystal Dynamics announced in March it was working on a new entry in the Tomb Raider franchise built in Unreal Engine 5, a follow-up to 2018's Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Crystal Dynamics is also assisting on the development of the new Perfect Dark for Xbox Game Studios. Perfect Dark de developer The Initiative says it will continue to work with Crystal Dynamics on the game. Deus Ex and Thief developer Eidos Montreal and uh, most recently released Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and Crystal Dynamics most recently released Marvel's Adventures. Avengers, not Adventures. Adventures. Neither Marvel-owned property was mentioned in Embracer's announcement of the sale. Uh, side note, I did see Doctor Strange. It's the second best multiverse movie I've seen this week. Uh, because on Tuesday, I watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. And you should really go watch Everything Everywhere All at Once. Square Enix Montreal, the studio behind the mobile Go spinoffs of the Tomb Raider, uh, Hitman, and Deus Ex, most recently released Hitman Sniper, The Shadows, for Android and iOS. Uh, Embracer said Square Enix Montreal would continue to, to develop and operate mem uh, memorable mobile games based on AAA IP. So this is uh, Square Enix basically waving the white flag on the Western releases, because how many times... Have we sat here on this podcast and on this network and on this Twitch and reported on Square Enix being disappointed by the sales of Tomb Raider? It sold six million copies, but it was a disappointment. 
and we're like, it sold six million copies. Why are you disappointed? It didn't hit our projections. Now, what were your projections? Well, we don't know. It would be nice for those studios to feel respected by their owner. And I don't know much about Embracer Group. We're going to go into Embracer Group and who they are in a little bit. But I think it's going to be nice that they're going to be able to not have to pull in Final Fantasy numbers with whatever they do with Tomb Raider. Because I think that's what Square Enix wanted. They wanted Final Fantasy numbers for Tomb Raider. They wanted Final Fantasy numbers for Deus Ex. You're not going to get Final Fantasy numbers for them. And Tyreclaw even says they even called the Guardians of the Galaxy game a failure despite it being successful. And it it's actually a lot. It's a really good game. It's a really great narrative game. If you have Xbox Game Pass, it's on it, by the way. So who is Embracer? So Embracer, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say something uh, that, that I don't know if it's a hot take or a cold take or a warm take. I don't know. Embracer is the European version of Tencent. We've talked about Tencent before and who they own. I did not know about I didn't I didn't hear the name Embracer Group really until this even though they've made some big purchases over the past couple of years they've really grown uh the, this is the group that bought THQ and bought Deep Silver so when all that there was that bankruptcy court and there was this company that bought a lot of stuff that was this group and they changed their name I think they even called themselves THQ Nordic originally and now they're called the Embracer Group but they have a whole bunch of studios uh, that uh, that that have games that I I play. Uh, they bought Gearbox for one point three billion dollars about a year ago. They got these studios for three hundred million. Bungie just got acquired for a, a bajillion dollars. I don't know. And we got Activision being acquired by Microsoft. But and they got Gearbox for one point three billion, and they got these three studios for three hundred million. So they own Gearbox. They own Deep Silver, which includes Volition, so the new Saints Row game. That's an Embracer Group game. And what they do is they have these divisions. So you're not going to see Embracer Group on the box. You're going to see the the parent group for it. So um, Gearbox actually still is Gearbox Entertainment. They're just owned by Embracer Group. Uh, Deep Silver is owned by Coke Media, K-O-C-H. So um, that that's who you're going to see that. But also uh, one of the other... Uh, purchases they made this year that's actually not in this list is perfect world entertainment that's your star trek online uh they do a lot of free-to-play mmos they're actually going to be rolled up into gearbox so soon star trek online is going to technically be a gearbox game um and uh yes thq nordic still exists it is a parent group uh under under embracer uh, group and they have a whole bunch of game, uh, studios. I've got a thing here that like lists all the studios, but not necessarily what they all make. I'd have to click into them. Uh, Zen Studios, if you play Zen Pinball or Pinball FX, that is an Embracer Group uh, company now, and they're owned by Saber Interactive. That is the parent group. Uh, so, and that uh, Saber Inter Interactive also owns 3D Realms. That's who bought these and so what i'm assuming what i'm guessing like looking at kind of like the pattern they're probably going to create a new parent group or like this is what i would do this is the the path path of least resistance create a new parent group called idos because it was essentially idos that square enix bought and then square enix sold off the idos part and so they'll have the idos group that has crystal dynamics 
Square Enix, uh, Mon- Idos Montreal, and and whatever they're going to rename the other Square Enix studio. So I think that's where this is going to go. Instead of trying to like shoehorn it into something another parent group that's already exists because they don't really fit into any of these. But I, but then they can say we're resurrecting the Idos brand. Like Idos is now going to be you know a, a a a major player again. So. That's who Embracer is. They are kind of like Tencent. Um, Tencent has been going around buying companies. Well, so is Embracer. But since Embracer's in Sweden, we're not caring as much as we do with the Chinese company. And like I said, they are getting Dark Horse Comics. They already have Dark Horse Comics, uh, Dark Horse Entertainment, uh, and uh, Asmodee, which does uh, tabletop stuff. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff. If you go to Wikipedia, that's where I'm actually you, – you look up a Wikipedia for Embracer Group, and you're going to find all of these uh, – all their acquisitions, what they all – when they made them. Um, they've been very, very active in the past, like, even six months because um, uh, they only bought Dark Horse and Perfect World Entertainment back in December. So, um, so yeah. So you can check that out. And Tiger Claw says, this means they can make a Tomb Raider without inter- any interference. And this is why I'm not as worried about the game franchises, because I think that this group will care about them more because they are a game company. Uh, and then they are a game developer. They're not a game developer. They're, they're, their primary focus is gaming. And they're not, uh, you know, they, they really don't have to answer to shareholders. Because one thing, and we're going to talk about it in a later story, one thing is, that shareholder, uh, it is illegal in the United States of America, at least, for a company to not act in the best interest of its shareholders if it is publicly traded, period. If you're wondering why that big social media network got sold to that guy and why they agreed to it, it's because that guy was offering way more than the share price and not accepting it would not be in the best interest of the shareholders. That's why it would actually have been illegal for them to not sell to that person because he was offering well above the price of the shares. Questbuster says, uh, Star Trek Online has been operating for 12 years so far. Neverwinter is their uh, D&D in as well. Yes, they have Neverwinter uh, and um, Perfect World Entertainment also has Perfect World, which was their uh, their MMO. And I think they were Korean, I want to say. Um, Mike Deft asks, is Embracer as shady as Tencent? Uh, the jury is still out, but they are new. So, um, so far they haven't shown, or at least I haven't seen shady tendencies. And also Embracer Group is not, the Swedish government is not investing in Embracer Group. It's just a company that's based in Sweden. Whereas the Chinese government does have ties in with Tencent because of how China is. Okay, Questbuster says Perfect World is Chinese. Perfect World sold off their Western network, but the parent is still in China. Okay, so the Perfect World MMO is still, I guess, uh, Chinese, and it's not included in here. So Perfect World Entertainment was the spinoff. Got it. It's a lot. Um, so so that's, that's who em- Embracer Group is. So you're probably wondering why would Square Enix sell this, especially for pennies, essentially, because it was... $300 million for these three studios and these huge IPs that have like movie tie-ins and stuff. And yet Bungie got, you know, recently sold for billions of dollars and their big IP that everybody knew isn't even theirs. Halo is not theirs. 
Uh, so they, they got bought for Destiny in the live service games. And uh, Questbuster says does say uh, that it's confusing. A lot of people were initially shocked when they thought Perfect World as a whole was being sold off. And I was that too. But that's why I have a chat room that's, that sometimes has more information than I do. And they can, they can correct me in real time. Because, so just in case you're in your car yelling, they're, they're yelling at me in real time. And you're yelling at me in your car listening to this podcast later. So why are they doing this? GameSpot reports that the transaction will assist the company. Uh, this is Square Enix in, a, in an official statement to BusinessWire. Quote, this transaction will assist the company in adapting to the changes underway in the global business environment by establishing a more efficient allocation of resources, which will enhance corporate value by accelerating gro- uh, growth in the company's core business in the digital entertainment domain. Unquote. Ooh. That was uh, a lot of synergistic buzzwords, corporate capitalism buzzword. Aside from investing in the blockchain, Square Enix also plans to explore the fields of AI and the cloud, a move it says is meant to optimize its business structure as part of a medium-term business strategy that was unveiled last year. Square Enix president Yosuke Matsuda expressed an interest last month in the company creating more blockchain games with play-to-earn elements as he explained that the traditional video game business model would not be enough to secure the future of the company. In a letter, Matsuda wrote of his belief that blockchain games, quote, held the potential to enable self-sustaining game growth, unquote, by pushing the play-to-earn concept further. Essentially, they want to make one game and have it make money Instead of them continually having to make all these new games and release these new games, they want that one game that you make your life. It's a live service game where they also want you to pay your money. Now, this is the quote that I love because it admits it's the president of Square Enix admitting that what they're doing is very unpopular. I love this quote. And this is uh, Square Enix president, Yosuke Matsuda. He says, quote, I realize that some people who play to have fun and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservations toward these new trends and understandably so. However, I believe that there will be a certain number of people whose motivation is to play to contribute by which I mean to help make the game more exciting, unquote. So they are basically saying that right now, the majority of our customers play to have fun and don't want to treat this as a job, but there are other people that will come in that want to make this their job. And that will make our game better. And it's those people we want. So the people who are the majority now... Uh, the world's leaving you behind. Uh, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna just have to, you know, just like how we left eight bit consoles behind, we're now gonna leave you behind. Mike Def says, "Now we know who to blame for Chocobo GP." It's worth noti- noting the Square Enix has seen massive growth in its Japanese studios that created MMO and mobile games, areas where blockchain, cloud, and AI technology has proven to be especially useful. While its Western studios did generate profits for the company, Square Enix generally considered these returns to be disappointing when compared to the cost of running those groups and financing games. 
Fifth Dream says, wow, a decision-making body making a decision that the majority finds unpopular. Where have I heard this recently? E3VL says, gotcha games only cater to the small minority who are willing to spend thousands. Yes, but that small mi- minority willing to spend thousands out makes more money than the majority who hates paying $70. That's in the best interest of the shareholders. Do you want to cater to the uh, the majority who complain when they need to spend $70 for a title that you spent $200 million, $300 million to produce? Or do you cater to the minority who are willing to spend thousands of dollars each to continue on a continual basis to play that game that maybe you only invested uh, you know, fifty to $100 million in. For the shareholders, there's only one answer. And we don't own shares in the company. If, if you do, uh, you don't own enough because you don't get a voting voice on the board. In terms of the game studio, Crystal Dynamics, Eidos uh, Interactive, Square Enix, uh, Eidos, Montreal, all that stuff, um, I'm actually not worried for them. I actually think, and I don't work there. I don't know anybody that works there. I don't talk to anybody that works there. Having Being sold is always kind of a traumatic experience, no matter what the company you're in. Uh, if your company gets sold to somebody else, there's going to be a lot of things you don't know. Because, you know, there's the devil you know and the devil you don't know. Square Enix was the devil they know, and now they've got this new devil they don't know yet. But I think in the long run, they're going to be fine because they'll now be able to create a new Tomb Raider game and have it not be called a disappointment by their owners. And they're going to bring back some series that maybe they really like. Maybe they want to make a great, uh, I I think Legacy of Cain was one that was brought up, that Square Enix doesn't want to touch. But maybe now they they have the freedom to make Legacy of Cain and make a remake for that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and but for Square Enix, they're going to get this off the books. They don't have to worry about those disappointing games. They are still going to make Western style games because I think Just Cause is not part of this. Uh, also, we're, uh, thing to note: the Marvel license is not part of this. Marvel's license is with Square Enix, not with Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix Montreal. So, uh, I, I would hope that the uh, any kind of support for those Marvel games would continue. Uh, but I think any future Marvel games would be going through Square Enix. Um, but for Square Enix, this is kind of worrying for uh, the direction of the company. Because I guess if it's not a high-numbered Final Fantasy, it's going to be more about getting you to spend money. And, and they're going to tell you to make money. But you're, you know, you better make sure that you're not the last one holding the bag on that one. Uh, E3VL says, sucks that they prey on their gambling tendencies to make money with lazy game design. Um, if it addicts you and hooks you, it's not lazy. It is very difficult to make a game addictive. It is not easy to make a game addictive. Um, you do see a lot of games that are addictive, and that's because there are many talented people that know how to know how to do that and that's why there have been governments that want to crack down on this because there are talented people that know exactly how to get you addicted to the game uh and they work at these companies s Matt says shareholders want growth and it doesn't matter how most of them do not even play games warren buffett bought into a 9.5 percent share of activision blizzard king pretty sure he doesn't play any of their games 
speaking of not acting in the best interest of your shareholders, um, let's talk about NVIDIA. The Verge reports that NVIDIA will pay $5.5 million, which is like one-thirtieth of uh, Crystal Dynamics, uh, to settle charges that it unlawfully obscured how many of its graphics cards were sold to cryptocurrency miners. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, not the Southeastern Conference, uh, announced the charges and a settlement with the company today. Its order claims that NVIDIA misled investors by reporting a huge boost in revenue related to gaming, hiding how much of its success relied on the far more volatile crypto market. NVIDIA isn't admitting any wrongdoing as part of the settlement, but it agrees to stop any unlawful failures to disclose information. The charges stem from NVIDIA's fiscal year 2018 financial reports. The SEC notes that NVIDIA saw an explosion in crypto mining-related sales in 2017 when the rewards of mining Ethereum grew dramatically. Crypto mining was widely reported as a cause of GPU scarcity, and NVIDIA launched a separate CMP line specifically for mining, attempting to prevent shortages for gamers. But employees apparently acknowledged that many gaming GPUs were still going to miners. Uh, the order says, quote, the company's sales personnel, in particular in China, reported what they believe to be significant increases in demand for gaming GPUs as a result of crypto mining, unquote. Given the boom and bust nature of cryptocurrency, this meant NVIDIA sales numbers didn't necessarily indicate reliable future growth, making investing in it riskier. Uh, the SEC alleges, quote, NVIDIA's analysts and investors were interested in understanding the extent to which the company's gaming revenue was impacted by crypto mining and routinely asked senior management about the extent to which increases in gaming revenue during this time in frame uh, were driven by crypto mining, unquote. So despite this, NVIDIA did not mention mining-related sales as a factor in its gaming division's success. Meanwhile, it mentioned crypto as an important factor in other markets, which suggest suggested to the SEC that it was being deliberately deceptive. And investors' anxieties turned out to be well-founded. A crypto crash in late 2018, along with a weakening Chinese market, led it to slash its quarterly earnings projections by $500 million and spurred a shareholder lawsuit. Once again... You have to act in the best interest of your shareholders. You are legally obligated, if you are a publicly traded company, to act in the best interest of your shareholders at all times. Them obfuscating this data meant that the shareholders did not have the proper means to determine if their shares, if their, if their investment was sound. And it turns out it wasn't because the company hid information from their investors. In other words, not acting in the shareholders' best interests. SEC crypto assets and cyber unit head uh, Christina Leitman says, quote, NVIDIA's disclosure failures dis deprived investors of critical information to evaluate the company's business in a key market. All issuers, including those that pursue opportunities in involving emerging technology, must ensure that their disclosures are timely, complete and accurate, unquote. Uh, NVIDIA's net worth is 500 plus billion dollars, and this is 5.5 million dollars. So this is like... You know, if you you cheated on your taxes, they're like, okay, the fine's five bucks, or it's one buck, or two dollars, or something like that. The Breakman says financial pun punishments are never impactful against rich companies and people. That is true. Uh, if um, 
there there is a quote that is is misattributed misattributed to uh Final Fantasy Tactics. And I don't think it's actually from Final Fantasy Tactics, but if the penalty for a crime is a fine, then that law only exists for the lower class. I've seen that as attributed to Final Fantasy Tactics, uh and people say that it is, but I think um I think it predated that, but I think that was from like Final Fantasy Tactics, I believe used that line. And uh, that really, really stuck with me. And and I think that's what's kind of, that's part of what's happening here. And I think that's where the brakeman is getting. Uh, if the penalty for a crime is a fine, then that law only exists for the lower class. And as Jeremy Matt says, of course they're also going to defer this for a while, so it's not like they're going to pay the fine all up front. But they could, and it wouldn't it wouldn't move the needle at all. And the brakeman says, Final Fantasy Tactics, one of the greatest games ever made. Yes, it it, it was. So uh, we are going to take a quick music break because that's in the best interest of me uh, to rest my voice a little bit. And then uh, if you want to call in, you can go into the green room uh, voice chat channel over on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, and uh, I will, uh, we can talk about anything going on in the gaming industry. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here in the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. This is the voice of Marty McFly. When I am not traveling back in time with Telltale Games, I'm listening to the Bobby Blackwell Show. That's an old one. I went really far back for that. That was, uh, I even forget what his name was. Like, because it's like listed as Marty McFly bumper, but he was the voice actor for the Back to the Future games back when, you know, I went to E3 and was able to, you know, talk to, talk to people like that. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, I don't have a, 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 any other bumper that's about a mother, but Back to the Future was about Marty McFly going back and his mother falling in love with him uh, back in 1945, uh, 1955 and causing problems in the space-time continuum. So, um, so yeah, uh, that, that's where I went with that bumper. If you want to leave a bumper, you do not have to be Marty McFly or a voice actor. All you got to do is uh, I, I want either an audio fi- file or a video file of just – your voice. I will choose what DMCA violation I want to attempt in the background uh, of coming back to the Bobby Blackwell show, and uh, and yeah, so so that is uh, that's how you can contribute to the show that way, especially if you can't be here uh, live. So uh, this is the time we usually take calls, um, and uh, there's a green room voice chat channel, uh, vognetwork.com slash discord. Nobody's in there right now. Uh, but I want to mention something. I, I want to read this because usually at the beginning of the show, I got derailed at the beginning of the show. Uh, I, I, there, I, I usually go through and read comments about previous episodes or people what people write in about topics that we talked about on previous episodes. And I had it set and I just completely forgot to put it in the show role in, on the little bar that I read off of on, on Twitch. Uh, so I completely skipped over it. But we got some time. We have about five minutes right now, and this is actually from Dark Tetsuya. And Dark Tetsuya posted over on Vognetwork.com uh, on a previous episode. He said, uh, I've been thinking for the past few weeks about game preservation as far back as when Nintendo announced they were closing up the Wii U and 3DS eShops. Seems like Nintendo, Nintendo has never been all that great at preserving their older games, I guess, outside of their first-party stuff, unlike a lot of third parties. Um, 
Just look at Capcom. They're always good at revi- uh, reviving their older games, sometimes too good. A few of them have been repeated in recent collections. Or Konami, as much as we like to dog on them for their business decisions in recent years, at least they do an okay job of keeping their retro stuff in the limelight, especially with stuff like the TMNT collection. Although I do wish they'd find a way to re-release the Rebirth trilogy Contra Gradius Castlevania on more modern hardware. I'm curious to see what Sony's new PlayStation Plus tier is going to look like, though. I guess overall, I just worry about our gaming history not being preserved properly, especially with stories by what Apple was doing this week, although I do get it. To an extent, definitely a huge fan of what folks like the Video Game History Foundation are doing. There's a little part of this that I wanted to kind of hit on, and uh, it's that Nintendo doesn't do a good job of preserving older games outside of their first-party stuff. Um, that's because it's not their job. Um, legally, Nintendo can't do any preservation on third-party titles that they don't own. Uh, so you you call out Capcom and Konami doing a great job. That's great, yes. But it's up to whoever owns wh- whoever that third party was now. It's up to whoever owns them to preserve those games. So it's up to whoever owns, if, if you're thinking of, like, Game Tech. I'm thinking of, like, companies that made a lot of NES games and SNES games, like Game Tech or LJN uh, or Acclaim. It's up to who owns them now to preserve those games. Nintendo can't, by law. Like, legally, they do not have the right to preserve somebody else's IP. So they do a good job of their own stuff. And they tend to also re-release their stuff on the newer, if, if there's a call for it, unless it's Mother 3. Um, they, they generally do a good job of, of re-releasing it and making it more relevant. Um, but it's not their job to make sure that every Acclaim game that came out on the NES gets preserved. The good thing is, for like the older consoles, uh, we, we, the people, have preserved it for them. Um Game preservation of NES games, not a problem. Nintendo doesn't need to lift a finger for that. Uh, Game preservations of 16-bit consoles, not a problem. Those companies don't need to lift a finger. We've got it. We've got it covered. Um, Anybody else, you know, going later than that, you know, obviously for the Apple stuff, Flash was a big one where there's, there's, it's hard to preserve. Um, That's up to the owners of the IP, but... We've also seen that, you know, source code gets lost or gets uncompilable after a time because hardware gets lost to be able to run the old compiler, things like that. So um, it's 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 not Nintendo's it's not Nintendo's responsibility to make sure that every single piece of shovelware that came out on the Wii is preserved because Nintendo didn't make that shovelware. They just licensed it. SJ Winter Matt says, I've come to understand that Nintendo isn't as big of a studio as many folks think they are. They're kind of a small studio, not necessarily physically, but culture-wise, if that makes any sense. And Fifth Dream says, the game came out, so we overwrote the code. Womp womp. Uh, it's not, it, it, it's sometimes that. Like, that's what you'll see in, like, TV shows. Like, a lot of old TV shows. It's not necessarily that they overwrote the code. It's that they stored the code on floppy disks. Uh, especially we're talking like 80s and 90s stuff. They scored the code on floppy disks, and floppy disks don't last forever. We've talked about digital degradation before. Uh, A lot of floppy disks, it's called bit rot, and it even happens on CDs. If you had a CD burner in the 90s and you burned CDRs, 
uh, chances are uh, those CDs aren't readable anymore. You put those in, and it's it's gonna your whatever you backed up on that CDR. Uh, if you backed it up in the nineties, uh, it, it's it's not there anymore. And Orange Wright says, "Yeah, nobody would want to watch the first Super Bowl. Let's tape over it." There was a there was a shortage of physical tapes at the time. So yes, they ta- they would tape over things. Um, that's that's what happened. Uh, you know, to to in in. We're going to, you know, pod culture. I don't know if he's still out there. He's going to perk up when I start talking about this. But, you know, like the old Doctor Who episodes, they aired them and then they taped over them new stuff because they didn't have an unlimited supply of tapes. They didn't have an unlimited supply of places to store those tapes. So Doctor Who, we've got a whole bunch of lost episodes Uh, or, you know, so we're like the only way we have certain episodes is we've got the script. Uh, but sometimes we'll have like somebody uh, had a tape recorder and they recorded the audio off of the TV. So we have the audio, but we don't have the video or we just have like a couple of promotional photographs that were made of the set. Or they would find that, you know, because Doctor Who was syndicated, like some television station in Africa still had the tape of the episode uh, they didn't destroy it, and it's the only known tape in existence of that episode. So, um, and DJ Ramas says there were Doctor Who episodes that were lost due to a fire at the BBC, not just over recording, but there was a lot of shows that were recorded over. Like the BBC has even admitted that they did that. And Doctor Tia wants to totally uh, he that he totally forgot to shout out Hamster in the arcade archive stuff, but there's a lot of older obscure games that probably would have been forgotten. And as Jared Matt says, a lot of older movies, uh, original reels are long gone. Sure, those movies exist for us to watch, but those are from a digitized copy of a copy. Film studios didn't see the point of keeping original reels after a while. And there have also been massive fires that have destroyed that. Uh, same with music. There have been fires that have destroyed original uh, the original masters of a lot of albums. So we have the albums, but they're copies of copies of copies. We're never going to get the originals again. And Tiger Claw says, this is why you have more than one backup recording. And yes, that, that's how we do things now. Uh, but in the 60s, they didn't really care about that. Questbuster says, there was a fire over at Universal Studios in 2008. Destroyed a ton of film masters. And Rob Roberts says, there's missing episodes of OLR. I can tell you, there's no missing episodes of this show because they're all still, uh, thankfully. Uh, I do have a booklet of CDRs that even have like the original airings because what I do with this show is I uh, record the show and I do store like a, and it's like 1.5 gigs or something. Oh, the, the uncompressed wave file of the original broadcast. And then I edit it out and put it out as an MP3, much, much smaller. Uh, but I have all of those originals. And like I, when I was putting them on CDRs, I could fit three weeks on a CD because it would basically fill up the CD that way. Um, so I have them all. Now, do those CDRs have bit rot? I don't know. I haven't put them in a drive in a while. And, you know, they were CDRs I made in 2005, 2006. Now I have a whole bunch of episodes, all that stuff stored on an external NAS that's raid, that's raided two raids together. And the MP3s are actually all still on the web. So speaking of episodes of this show, this one's coming to an end. So coming up next... Here on the Voice Geeks Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do, and we like to check in with them to see what they are going to be talking about on this Earthbound Day. 
uh, where, you know, big news happens at 2 in the morning. And, and Rob probably was even still awake when the news broke. Cause it was probably 11 p.m. last Sunday when this big news. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, and I was awake. I, I actually was awake, too, but I live, <laughs> I live on West Coast time, even though I'm on the East Coast. So, yeah, Square mm-hmm. Enix uh, sold a whole bunch of studios and a whole bunch of IP for $300 million. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Sony bought Bungie for, like, billions of dollars for basically one IP. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what's your take on what's going on with Square Enix and, and IDOS, basically? It's, um, I think there might be some truth to these rumors that Sony's looking to buy Square Enix, and this was to offload it because mm. Sony didn't, for whatever reason, want these particular um, properties, or it could be an interesting um, issue with Crystal Dynamics working with Xbox Studios. It could have caused an interesting conflict there, mm-hmm. so it could have been one of those things where, and, and maybe to um, lessen um, the perceived monopoly of you know American-based companies, um, yeah. It's probably all those things. So I, I don't know that, that just the whole idea of Square Enix selling to Sony, like something about that doesn't gel with me. Like it reads like fanfic, but mm-hmm. um, when that happens, it actually makes me think maybe there is something to it. Yeah. So, so you're not buying that they're getting into the chain and the, the, that stuff and, and NFTs. How, I don't understand why you need to fundraise three hundred million to get into the beep chain. Yeah. I, well, I think what it is is they want to spend instead of spending money on those making games from those studios, they'd rather spend that money on Japanese developers to fund blockchain uh, and 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 Web three. And you know, I think that that might be part of their thing. They want to make it leaner. They want to make the company leaner because I guess they want to they want to output less and input more. And that's what uh, that's what chain can give you. I just think they ought to tread very carefully in those waters because, you know, so far it's these companies trying to push it as the next big thing. Most people are rejecting it. And you Mm -hmm. see that throughout the stories about how the beep, beep, beep is is Mm -hmm. uh, they're flopping. We actually have a story tonight coming up on OLR about, you know, how there's supposed to be this big game that they're pushing. And it's just it's not selling the way because it's one of those things where like the Internet or certain loud people on the internet are trying to tell you it's cool and it's like it's Mm -hmm. not cool those pictures of the monkeys in all those different forms are are ugly like and that's my opinion i'm entitled to it's my opinion Mm -hmm. that's ugly like they're trying to sell they're literally trying to sell i'm trying to think of a four-letter word that starts with s and a nice way to say it but they're trying to sell that Mm -hmm. and tell you that it's gold yeah, and until they can get away from that like i i understand it's to, to me NFT in gaming is the Diablo 3 auction house. Yeah. That is exactly what it is. And we've seen this before, and it flopped, except it's not because I know there's going to be that person out there that goes, well, actually, it was all centralized on Blizzard servers when it was Diablo 3, and this is a decentralized. Okay, yes, I get it. But like in trying to sell it to the masses, it's the Diablo 3 Real Money Auction House, which yeah. you might recall was rejected by the masses because it was all supply and no demand. Yeah. And that is what is going to happen with this until they can figure out why are people going to demand this? Because I'm going to tell you what, you know what people aren't demanding? Ugly pictures of monkeys. Yeah. No, and I, I like this quote. There was a quote, and I'm going to repeat it here uh, for <clears throat> just in case people on the live feed were joining late, uh, of mm-hmm. the Square Enix president, Yosuke Matsuda, actually admitting 
that this is not popular, but it's going to be, and you're going to need you're going to just need to get used to it. He says, "quote I realize that some people who play to have fun and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservations toward these new trends, and understandably so. However, I believe that there will be a certain number of people whose motivation is to." play to contribute by which i mean to help make the game more exciting by selling things i am going to tell you 100 percent who to watch in this because when this company does beep chain mm-hmm. that's when it's going to happen it is mm-hmm. nintendo because mm-hmm. amiibos are already, if you think about it, somewhat the start of that. Now, granted, I understand that Amiibos are like something physical, and that's why I like them, because they're actual Mm -hmm. physical figures that are well-made that you can get. But Mm -hmm. you know what else Amiibos do? They work across multiple games. It's something that you buy that you take from this game to this Mm -hmm. game to this game to this game. And I'm going to tell you, Nintendo's going to be the one, not anybody else, that's going to make something that uses this technology that then everybody's going to go, okay, I want that. Well, prediction. That's my opinion. I'm sticking yeah. to it. It's it's a good one because we've had that before where we're like Nintendo, they come out with something and that's the thing that everybody wants. And so mm-hmm. once Nintendo invents it, everybody else will fall in. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What yeah, is and I do understand. It's it's. I was just gonna say quickly because yeah. I'm reading chat. It's not a one for one comparison, but I'm just trying to explain that. Like like obviously, yes, there are differences between amiibos and beep beep beep. But I understand, or I I'm just kind of showing that like Nintendo is the one that was able to push those figures where Skylanders didn't do it, Lego didn't do it. You know, into mm-hmm. that same volume and what Nintendo was able to leverage was using it across multiple games. And that's the key thing that is so key. If your items aren't working in more than one game, which is what they're promising this whole thing is, then it's just Diablo three real money auction house. Yeah. Which, I mean, the great thing about crypto is that there's no centralized authority, but even if it's a decentralized server, it's still being backed by Diablo Mm three. It's -hmm. still being backed by, uh, the, whatever the ghost recon game that they're there, that they were using. Um, so and so that's kind of antithesis to what what dough is actually supposed to be. <laughs> yes. What is going to be talking about on Orange Sound Radio tonight? Well, we're going to try not to use the beeper button. Uh, we'll talk about some other things, uh, including Summer Games Fest has a date, and it's yeah. a very familiar sounding date. Mm. Um, so somebody, somebody's just trying to boop, jump right in there and take over. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm totally okay with it. Let yeah. me tell you. We're also going to talk about the Video Game Hall of Fame because the new class has been announced. And one of the games very near and dear to our hearts. Actually, honestly, all of the games they yeah. picked this year, very near and dear to my heart personally. Uh, it's a really good list this year. We'll talk about that. I know a lot of people are excited about that. And, um, oh, I don't know. Oh, we'll talk about, I'm sure a lot of people have been seeing this story, the game that had one player this weekend. Oh. At a particular moment in time, and yet, yet that's the one they didn't sell. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vlog network. Come join us and interact with us directly. And uh, once again, I will be at Summer Games Done Quick 2022 as a host or donation reader. Uh, host is the official term. You probably think of it more as a donation reader. It is in person. So uh, 
I will be heading up to Minneapolis for a week in late June. Uh, if you don't leave a bumper, uh, just contact me on our Discord server, vognumber.com slash Discord. That is where I am during the week. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at Bobby Blackwolf uh, as well. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make this live show work without the help of the chatters who went above and beyond. We actually started the show with a hype train tonight, uh, which uh, means that people that emotes were given out by Twitch uh, based on how far we got. How far did we get? We did get uh, level two. We got uh, five sub gifts and uh, 50, 500 bits total. So five gift subscriptions and 500 bits coming to the channel, which helps Vogue Network. It all goes back into Vogue Network to help make all this work out. Does not go into my pockets, doesn't go into Rob's pockets. But the people that actually did that and helped out, uh, Tiger Claw resubscribed. Thank you so much for your resubscription. Paleonimea also resubscribed. And SJ Nomad cheered 200 bits saying happy Mama's Day. Happy Earthbound Day for you as well. Uh, I res- resubscribed because my resubscription was up. So I went and, you know, before the show went on and I, I, I said, yes, I'm going to resubscribe right here. Dark Tetsuya resubscribed. Thank you so much uh, for that. Sean322 cheered 200 bits saying hype because that's the Summer Games Done Quick thing. Uh, Rob Roberts resubscribed as well. Orange Wright cheered 100 bits for the hype train. Dark Soccer resubscribed at Tier 2. Thank you so much. And Kind Volibi followed the channel. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Voice of Geeks Network. I am now going to hit the button, and we're going to uh, not talk about the chain. Uh, we're going to talk about Orange Launch Radio. And uh, they may actually talk about the beep chain. I don't know. But uh, I will see you all next week. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network. Network. People who need to hire new voiceover guys. Or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.